Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. I'm just trying to get my microphone. I've got a little microphone here, but I think it was coming through my AirPods. How does it how does it sound? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's perfect. Can you and it's all good at your end? Yeah, okay. We'll just keep it. If you, if yeah. you can hear me good then Yeah, absolutely. We uh and we don't record the video here. Yes, great, because it's six it's six thirty AM here as well. I've just woken up and had a shower and I'm sitting Oh there, so. gosh. You're uh you're braver than I am. I don't do mornings <laughs> at all. I'm I do some of these episodes, this is wild. I do them differently. You may have noticed that I've um, hit recall already. We're still on a rolling start. Who cares? Nice. This is just nice. As, I like it. It was as raw as it gets in podcasting land. Because, <laughs> <laughs> it, like, how it's annoying. Because, like, you've done heaps of podcasts. I've done heaps of podcasts. How many times do you like end up just having this good old chat before you press record? And it's like, oh, you said heaps of gold. So, the more I do this stuff, the more I don't actually pretend or look I, I don't remember that it's been recorded so yeah nice I'd love to hear how your podcasting has evolved from you know like big studio where you have to kind of be in person to now you know you, you travel around a lot and do your podcast records yeah well it's funny um we'll, we'll get to that I just want to swing back around we'll get to that yeah sure yeah you're in Glasgow yeah <laughs> I am, yes. Yeah, far out. That's Scotland. Scotland. Is it, it is in Scotland. I'm actually, sorry, we left Glasgow a day ago and we're right, now currently sorry. In a, place, a place, that's all right, a place called The Borders, which is literally oh. the border between Scotland and the UK yeah. and heading to Edinburgh today to um, go to a friend's cafe that she's opened up a couple of years ago and she's ridden the waves of the pandemic, you know, her first yeah. cafe she opened four years ago. So yeah, we're cool. down here, down here to stay with her at the moment. I've always wanted to go to Edinburgh Castle. Um, don't know why. Just looks really cool. It is as amazing as it would sound in your memory or in your, yeah. you know, in your your dreams. It is phenomenal. Yeah. My yeah. my husband actually went to university in Edinburgh, so when uh, we go there, he kind of takes me through all of the places that he used to go to and you know the sights and it's a wonderful, wonderful city. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm keen. But yeah, if you are if you have just joined us, I sometimes I talk on the podcast like it's a radio show. Like if you have just joined us, we're um <laughs> we're talking with uh, I'm just reading your website. Tim Duggan is an author, advisor and optimist who firmly believes in the power of business to do good. Now, Tim, you're on our podcast before uh when Cult Status um uh, was released and you've got a second book called Killer Thinking. Which we'll talk about, and it's you know I just wanted to get you on and and chat with your plans and as a bit of a catch up, and yeah, there's no real agenda to this episode, so yeah, and you're probably thinking this is so weird because you just press record and we're going, and you've just woken up, so it's probably this like days <laughs> of like what the hell I've just 
<laughs> you're, I, I think you're cool enough to just go with it. You, you're chill. Oh, yeah. I love this. I love this mm. stuff. Um, and yeah. I love chatting to you. I, I love listening yeah. to you. And um, I think we could talk, kind of talk for hours about yeah. life, business, money, all mm. of those things. Yeah. So, Tim, he's a, um, he's a go-getter. He started Junkie Media. He's done cult status. He's also the chairman of the Digital Publishers Alliance. I probably should. Should I join that? Yeah, I would like Am to Am I a digital publisher? So, so, interestingly, it, it started off the way that, that you know, I, I started Junkie and I left Junkie, went into a camper van for a few months and we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, totally. As, as, as the conversation goes on. And one of the things I was thinking about was all about community. It's, it's what my entire life has been focused on. And yeah. when I was in digital publishing, I felt like I was a publisher. So running Junkie, we had about 60, 70 full-time staff. And I felt like I was in my own silo. So kind of running my own race and not really part of a wider community. So I decided to start this thing called the Digital Publishers Alliance, which is a non-profit industry body. And originally I reached out to people that I knew that were kind of, you know, similar to Junkie. So it was people like Broadsheet and Concrete Playground and Mamma Mia, mm. it's all kind of publishers in Australia. And about 20 people joined. And then I went out and said, we've started this thing. And then we've now got about 50 members. And it's really fascinating seeing who feels like they want to be part of a community that can all grow together. So the Equity Mates guys have joined the oh, yeah. Digital Publishers Alliance. Yep. Um, and the way that I think about it is that, you know, I started in traditional digital publishing and then eventually most of the traditional digital publishers launch podcasts. But the way that what you're doing, what the Equity Mates guys are doing, what uh, the Squiz is doing is starting in podcasting and then figuring out other ways. So whether it's courses, whether it's websites, other mm. ways that you kind of build a community around that. Um, so yeah, the, the pod podcasting as a podcast first and then figuring mm. out how to do publishing from there have just as much um, relevancy in, in the Alliance. So let's chat yeah. after this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm keen to get involved, but it's so weird. Like a lot of these like new media companies want to do the empire stuff. Like I've actually got, um, I've been talking with Zara from the Daily Oz on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. She's going to come and do an episode. Like they've just got some seed funding recently and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Like I actually don't want the freaking empire. <laughs> like I don't care. Like I just want to do my podcast. Like everyone's like, oh, what are your big plans for this year? I'm like, I want to do less and I want to do it better. So I'm a bit of a contrarian in that sense. I actually reckon that is the hardest lesson in business to learn. Totally. How to be really happy with what you've got and mm. how to kind of become an expert and master what you're doing rather than trying to be the jack of all trades. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I just, I just don't want more stuff to do. And, yeah, I'm actually, I don't know if, I don't know when this episode will go out. I don't know when it will be edited. So we won't, we'll keep it pretty evergreen in terms of like date stamps. Uh, it could be, we're pretty big on this, like loaded up. So it, it could be in two months from when we've recorded this, unfortunately, uh, for a variety of reasons. I'm going away and we're planning the tour at recording. But I'm actually thinking about actually implementing a four day work week with the team and, you know, on the same vibe of let's all do less, but let's do it better. 
And yeah. how do we just, you know, just absolutely own our role, own our business, own... And I talk about our business because I think if you're an employee, like you're employed and you've got your domain, like you can treat that like a little small business. Like Rach, who's our producer, who she's emailed you and all that, like that's her domain. That's her little business. And mm. if if we're getting outcomes and the only thing, you know, the four-day work week, we'll know if it's not working because it'll be like... Friday morning and everyone's off for their fourth day and one of my podcast episodes didn't get up. Like, <laughs> that's a problem, right? And I think- Totally. It will become apparent if it isn't working and it'll also become apparent if it is working. So- Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a real global shift that we're seeing. It's actually what I'm exploring as I travel around. I'm writing my mm. third book, which is all mm. about the future of work. And yeah. this concept of- my working hypothesis that I'm going to spend the next you know year or so digging into and chatting with as many people as possible and speaking to professors all around the world mm. is the happier you are, the better worker you'll be. Mm. And so what is happiness? Is happiness three day, working three days a week, working four days a week, spending three days with your family? Is it leaving every day at three o'clock? And the, so far, almost all the research that I've found on things like four-day work weeks and flexible working, um, the people that I think have done a really great job of it are those that really get into how people are feeling and how their productivity is before the change, during, and then sometimes if it's experiment after. And so far, this concept of you know flexible work time and, and working less does not mean less output. It actually means the opposite, and that's the mm. kind of counterintuitive mm. um you know, thing that I'm, I'm really fascinated by at the moment. Yeah. I, uh, gosh, I, even it, like, I don't know, you probably see so you're really planned and all that, but even if you wanted to do a, a bit of a case study for your own info, like on my transition. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'd love that actually. Yeah. Because what you could do, you could set a little, um, so, and what I'll do, I'll tell Rach, the producer of this, not to listen to this or edit it for a couple of weeks, just so, you know, we could chat offline and be like, look, what if you, for example, wanted to do a bit of a survey at the status quo with the team right now? And then yeah. we introduce the four-day work week and then you do a bit of a survey during and I don't know, like I'm yeah. totally- No, I love that, Glenn. I'm actually doing it with a bunch of companies. Um, so there's um, a bunch of companies I've spoken to. Um, everyone is really intrigued by this idea at the moment. And yeah. everyone, if they're going to do it, want to do it properly. Yeah, interesting. So, would we like, and apologies, everyone, like I, everyone listening, I'm just having a conversation with Tim. You're just listening in the background. We're not even doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, just, and I feel sorry that I ambush you and just press record, but whatever. But, um, like, I don't know, like, I'll leave it to you, but even if you wanted to, if you've got the infrastructure to, for the research stuff, let me know and I'll put it in your, if you're like, yeah, I've got a slot in August to start it or whatever, like, I don't care. Yeah, um, I've, I've, got, I've got the research ready to go. So, I've kind of, I've, I've spoken to a bunch of companies that have done it already and yeah. then figured out what are some key areas that are really interesting yeah. to look at. And yeah. then what I'd like doing is getting a baseline. So, yep. figuring out, okay, this is, this is where you're currently at. And then do monthly check-ins. So figure out yep. if you want to do a three-month trial, a six-month trial. And I think a trial is yep. a, a great thing to do also because then you're not, if you take it away, 
at the end because it's not working. It's funny. My accountant said to me, oh, you could do a trial like every second week. I'm like, oh, look, if we're going to do this, let's just jump in the pool and swim. Totally agree. um, Yeah. We'll do a line in the sand. Let's come up for air, you know, in two months or one month or whatever. Um, But just on that, there's a lot of misinformation or unknowns out there. When people say the four-hour work week, Sorry, that'd be nice. Um, the four-day <laughs> work week. Would you? Is it like we squeeze the thirty-eight hours over the four days, or we pro rata and actually working less? Because I've got the view. It's like, okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you work ten hours. Uh, Monday, you work eight hours. Like, what's the actual model? Most knowledge work we do to fill the time that we have. So there's a lot of faffing around. If you've got, mm. if someone says you're sitting at this desk for nine hours, you can faff for the first two or three hours before you start realizing I need to get this stuff done by the end. Mm. So I actually think that there's a lot of faff in everyday life. Um, totally. There's, qu- there's quicker ways of doing things. There's, you know, shortcuts that you can take sometimes that might get the same result. Um, and there's also just really intense periods of working where you can get things done. Mm. So I think it's less thinking about, you know, are we going to squeeze 40 hours into four days? So is this going to be 10-hour days? Which, Mm. you know, if you did that, you're probably going to work 10-hour days. You're probably going to do all the work. And I think more it's thinking about what do I need to achieve in this five days and how can I achieve that as best as possible in four? So so, so for for some people it might be that you actually end up doing less hours in those four days. Yeah, if the outcomes don't suffer, yeah. Yeah, because it, it's funny because, you know, when I was an employee, you know, you start at 8.30 and I'm sure everyone does this. If you're in my team and you do this, you're fired. But like you start at, <laughs> you start at 8.30. All right, I'll come in because everyone works from home. Like, all right, I'll eat breakfast from 8.30 to, you know, and I'll check the online you or whatever you do. And then, all right, it's about 10 to 9. I'll probably get into this now. Um, and And this is the thing, like, it's so hard as an employer, and I like I've tried my hardest not to be like this, because an employee that I was with once, it was eight thirty to five bums on seats equals work getting done, where it's actually not because people are sitting at their freaking desk. You don't you look over at someone in a cubicle, either at their desk, it could be surfing the freaking internet for an yeah. hour and no one knows, but it's that perception that bum on seat equals work getting done. So, I've, it's really, as an employer, it's really hard. And I think the reason I'm like, how do you, um, how do you marry the industrial relations instrument up with a four hour, four day work week? Because there does, there's this tipping point where, and I'm ranting, and hopefully this is an encouraging thing for other business owners that are listening. And just if you are in a small team and you might want to send this to your boss or whatever to listen to, but it's that tipping point with, well, I don't want to pay someone, make a number up, $75,000 a year to do this job where I could just pay someone an hourly rate and get it done for cheaper. So it's this tipping point of the industrial instrument and, you know, a four-day work week. And for me, a lot of the time, 
you know, I've said to all my staff, like, don't screw me and I won't screw you. That's like my mantra as an employer and as an as a business owner, I just see employment costs as a fixed line item. Mm. So, there's no point getting too micro with, oh, did you make up that three minutes that you were late? Um, so, that's the dance, isn't it? Like, it is. Yeah. I think it all comes down to trust. Mm. So, trust between your employee and your employer. And if you if you don't have trust, someone can be sitting at their desk for 10 hours and not getting anything done. And that is, that's a broken work relationship. Yeah. Yet if you have trust, someone might sit down at 10 o'clock and work really intensely for three hours until one and get everything done and think deeply and solve problems and then might go off for lunch for two hours and mm. then come back and work for three hours and then go pick up the kids from school. Mm. And that is the type of employee-employee relationship that I think is more beneficial and yeah. is where all of us want to get to. And that comes down to trust. It comes down to knowing what you're doing. It comes down to being good at your job. It comes down to being happy as an employee. Mm. Um, and all of those things feed into, you know, this kind of future of where we're going as a society with how we think about work. Do you know what we should do? We should actually um, implement this in my team because I'm seriously like, I, it's like, I was driving the other day. It was like 10.30 a.m., you know, work day. And I see Nathan, our editor, who's about to be fired for this. Um, like, and I see him driving. Like, like, and I text him, like, what are you doing? Like, so, he's like, I'm going to Coles. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's just, it's this whole, un, and this is why it's so hard for a lot of people to move from employment to self-employment because it's this framework, this societal, this social norm that we're conditioned to do this nine to five and, you know. So now me as an employer, I am trying to unplug those conditionings of what a boss is and what employment looks like mm. and trying to take my team on this journey with me. And like yesterday... I'm just ranting about all my staffing issues to you and everyone else, <laughs> but whatever. Right. We can help but solve and, but this is this, like, we actually did this, um, a really good session with uh, Shelly Johnson, who hosts the career podcast about our values and all that as a team. And one of our values is basically um, challenge directly, care deeply. So we do have this really good relationship as a team. But like the other day, I'm like, oh, Jess, she wanted a team meeting about something. So, yeah, do it at 4.30 today. She's like, I can't. I'm like, what? You're flipping employed nine to five. Like, oh, I'm going to the gym at 4.15. And, you know, that, that mindset of social norms, society, it comes at you like, why is your employee leaving work at 4.15? But the reality is, well, she works her ass off. I'll see you online at 7 p.m. tonight. Mm. So, it, it's just this constant challenge and I, I do want to implement the four-day work week as a trial in the business just to see if we can rock the status quo a little bit. Yeah. And I, I love that it's a bit uncomfortable and it's challenging the norms and it is we're, we're, we're going against everything that we've done for the last 
few decades, everything, every single hour of work life that you and I have spent has been dictated by you go into an office, you get there at 8.30 a.m., you do not leave until 5.30 p.m., you have half an hour for lunch in the middle, and if you have a doctor's appointment you need to go to in the middle of the day, you go ask your boss, can I go to this appointment at 11 o'clock and I promise I'll be back by 11.30. All of that is out the window. Mm. So it, with this, the bubbles of this have been bubbling away for a long time and COVID just really fired it up. And now all of a sudden, it's not just you that's feeling uncomfortable about this, it's also the employees. So it's it's people thinking, oh, should I go to the gym at 4.15? Like it's, it's, it's easier to get to and there's less traffic and I can then probably only make it a 45-minute session and come back to my desk and keep working as opposed to, you know, trying to compete with everyone to go there after work. Mm. Um, and I love that this is uncomfortable and I love that this is new and every, we're all trying to figure our way through this together. Yeah, because you only get growth if there is discomfort and resistance and you've got to Very push through so. it, right? Because yeah. I honestly, I've said this for years, I want to make Simo Interactive and any business that I run that employs people so good that the people don't want to leave, but I want to hire people that are part of the team that are that good that I don't want them to leave. And mm. then it's about genuine win-wins. And I think there is, you know, if you're an employer or you're a team member and you've got 100 people on your team, like the stats say people will abuse that four-day thing and all that. Like, But thankfully, with our team, it is remote. We don't really, we don't have to, we don't have like a shop that needs to be open. There's actually no reason why we can't walk down this road if it adds quality of life to the team. Yeah, I just, I just think it's about rethinking how you approach your your job descriptions, what people, mm. what you expect from people, and making them productivity based as opposed mm. to time based. So yeah. you'll know if Rachel has done her job. Um, by whether if the podcast guests are good and it's all lined up and it's happening on time and it's you'll know whether Nathan does his job, whether it's edited well and it's, you know, where it's meant to be at the right time. It doesn't matter if they do it at midnight till 2 a.m. in the morning, mm. as long as it's ready by 7 a.m. when you told them you want it ready. Yeah, that's right. And I think it does come, you know, with just the territory of having a good culture. Like if we did hire someone who was a junior, for example, first out, first job out of school, they might not know what it's, what it's like to work, but at least the culture of our team is we get stuff done on our terms, but it's just that thing. It's like, well, if you can ever meet a team meeting because you're getting your nails done or you're, you know, I don't know, you're, I don't know, waxing or I don't know, whatever Nathan does. I think he gets his back waxed every week. Um, I mean, that's a problem, right? But but I, look, I, I reckon we do it as a team and maybe, you know, we will release this at the start of our trial week or something like that. But yeah, I'd be more than happy if you did want to use it as a research and I don't I don't really care if it makes it in your book or not, but just as a personal um, anecdotal yeah, I'd, thing. I'd, I'd love to. Let's, let's, let's agree to that now. I think it's yeah. a really great experiment. And um, I think if you're going to do it, do a little bit of research behind it to make sure that you can actually assess it when you get to the end of your two-month, three-month trial, however long you want it to be. Long enough, I think, for people to be able to 
feel the effects. Yeah. That's why I think if you did it for like, let's try this for two weeks, that's just a long weekend, you know. No, you've got to jump in the pool, I think, and yeah. So, no, I, I think we'll do that. But, hey, we've talked for 25 minutes. Let's go to a quick break. Let's pay the light bill. Then we'll come back and start the podcast. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we're back. Now, Tim... I wanted to get you on for a couple of reasons. We will. T- so your new book, Killer Thinking, I do want to talk about that. But what I want to talk about as well is, so you and Hubs, you're like, see Australia, we're out of here. So what what are you doing? Like you're a, a husband of, you're a well-kept husband if you're just, <laughs> you know, sitting around writing books all day. What's, what's your husband do? Is he working over there? Are you just all rich and you don't need to work? What's the go? Look, my husband works in tourism marketing, um, so he works for um, places that need help at the moment, um, figuring out how to get more tourists to go there, especially post-pandemic. Um, and it's a job that he can actually do from anywhere, um, as long as you've got your laptop and good internet connection. Um, and I have sold so sold Junkie a couple of years ago. Um, in the fortunate position, I've been able to have lots of choice and freedom. And I've now just started writing books and Cult Status was my first one. Killer Thinking was the second one. And I'm working on my third as we move around. And as well as doing a bunch of kind of consulting and, you know, working with some company, investing in a bunch of companies and just figuring out um, what I enjoy doing, we can do this from anywhere. Yeah. We actually can. And during the pandemic, after I finished up full-time at Junkie Media in end of 2020, we jumped into a camper van and travelled around Australia for six months and then came back to Sydney for a bit and then ended up in Darwin for four or five months because there was no lockdowns up there and it was a lovely, warm place to live. And what I realised whilst doing all of that, particularly in the camper van, was that I think we kind of had it a little bit wrong of working five days and taking two days off for weekends. So we were talking about four-day work weeks. I wanted to see how far I could push it. And whilst we were traveling in the camper van, we flipped the week, which meant that we worked for two days and traveled for five. 
So Mondays and Tuesdays, we stopped, got out of a camper van, got to an Airbnb or a hotel, found some good internet. And I said to everyone, if I want to do meetings, if you want to chat with me, let's do it on Mondays and Tuesdays. And then the rest of the time we moved around. Um, so we're kind of seeing how we can incorporate. Not everyone can do that. And I know that's a very privileged thing and I'm very lucky mm. to be able to get to that stage. But I'm trying to figure out now as we travel around the world, currently in Scotland, we're going to the Greek islands on Thursday for the next few months. Mm, um, sounds terrible. And <laughs> yes. And whilst we're there, we're kind of going to put aside a couple of days a week to book in meetings and I'll you know sit down at the desk and try and write. And then the rest of the time, we'll just live life. And it's a really wonderful kind of experiment to do. Yeah. I, I, I will actually add, I, I don't want to go back to old territory, but just with my team at Simo, I I did decide when I talked to them about the four-day thing, uh, if not everyone is on board with it, we won't do it. Mm. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a great caveat to put into it. Yeah, just as a team, like if there is – you know, someone who doesn't want to with, I think you're only as strong as your weakest link conceptually. And if you're taking someone on a journey they don't want to be on, well, what are we doing here? So we have to move mm. as a team. That's all I would say. Yeah, very much. There's a concept I explored in cult status called lead by the middle. Yes. So lead from the middle um, yes. where you tell them where you want to go and then let your employees in particular in this case um, figure out how to get there. So I think if you say that what you want is more trust and flexibility and you want employees that stay around for a long time and, and you get a lot out of, out of and vice versa, how you get there is almost up to them to decide. So for a four-day work week is one of the ways of getting yeah. there, but it's not the only way of getting to flexibility and trust and, and yeah. happiness at work. Yeah. So how long, like, I know when you were on our podcast, I think, it was after the first kind of big hit of COVID in 2020. Uh, it was great. I legit, legitimately had been, I couldn't get to the book launch or the second book launch because of a, a diary clash. But after we did meet, I, I'd always wanted to catch up with you again. And then, you know, COVID hit and 2021 <laughs> was just a write-off. Um, <laughs> so it's good that we are kind of catching back up. But like with this working uh, in Europe, how... How long have you guys penciled in, like your return yeah. or? A, a great question. So we, we we still consider Sydney our home. So it's our spiritual kind of home, and we both you know want to make a life there. But my husband is Scottish, um, and so we Scottish. Thought... <laughs> nice. Hearing lots of those accents at the moment. Yeah, uh, that's that's a pretty good one. Um, so we said that we'd be closer to his family for a while. Um, so we're thinking a period of a couple of years, probably two plus ish, and we're meant to do it in 2020. And then obviously COVID happened and mm. the world turned to shit. And so we mm. couldn't get over here. So this is a much delayed, much anticipated trip. Um, so we're really just taking the most of it and going to move around Europe as much as we can. Um, we're going to be, there's a, there's a term that I love called a slow mad, which is like a slow nomad. Yeah. Um, and it kind of describes us. So people always ask us, you know, where are you going to live? You know, you're going to live in London. It's like, no, we're just going to move around and where the weather's nice and where there's good internet. And we might go to Mallorca for a couple of months. And then when it starts getting cold, we might migrate further south to the Canary Islands. Mm -hmm. And then um, my plan also is to come back to Australia about once a quarter. 
um, to do events. I'm still chairing the Digital Publishers Alliance, so we're doing a bunch of events in September I'll be back for. Um, and then that, well, that also gives me a chance to, I've got two or three weeks back in the country to try and do as many workshops and talks around my books um, and with companies I care about and then go back overseas and um, keep travelling for a bit. Yeah, so it's, you're like, yeah, you are in a very fortunate position um, to be, you know, doing that. And uh, and it is the dream for a lot of people, like, oh, it'd be cool just to work from anywhere in the world and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, everyone's got the Instagram live, everyone sees the Instagram live. What have been some of the challenges that you've found? Yeah, there's, and there's, there's quite a lot. And I think mm. I, I, the, the first thing to caveat is, is I'm extremely fortunate. We have no kids um, at the moment and we are financially able to do this and we both work in jobs where we can do it. So I think that's you know the caveat when people say, well, I'd love to do that when you know trying to do this with three kids would be a lot harder and a lot more expensive. So the caveats are time zones, <laughs> trying to kind of figure out. We've, we've been on the road for two weeks now, so it has, there hasn't been too many challenges. But I'm very lucky that I'm a morning person. It's currently 7 a.m. in the morning here, um, and I've done a bunch of calls. I've woken up at 5.30 and do calls at 6, which works out to be about 3 o'clock in Australia. So it gives me a couple of hours in the afternoon to be able to schedule things in. It's funny, like I, um, anytime I've been in the States, LA is a really good uh, time zone for business mm. for me uh, because I'm just not a morning person. Like <laughs> Europe, it's the worst time zone on the planet if you're a morning yeah. person and you want to do work. <laughs> it's it's a very true. Um, I, so I'm lucky that I'm a morning person. Um, the second thing is trying to find good internet. So, you know, we've checked into a little Airbnb here now in um, in the borders. And, you know, I, we checked in last night. So I was texting the, the owner being like, what's the internet like there? You know, and then as soon as I sit, get check in, I go to my 4G, which I've, you know, got now and see what the speed test is there and then log into the internet and see what the speed test is there. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's difficult. Um, one little mm-hmm. tip, because we, we traveled around Australia as we did this, and tel- we were with Telstra, and Telstra has a really great 4G coverage map, which shows you the exact coverage per street as you go. And so we would, you know, when we booked Airbnbs or booked a hotel, I would need to check that that was in a 4G coverage zone so I could do work and, you know, um, do my work. So figuring out the internet, and we're about to head to the Greek islands on Thursday. I have no idea what the internet is like in the Greek islands, so I'm booking in a board meeting in two weeks' time, you know, on a Monday morning at 6 a.m. So you need to have some flexibility, I think, yeah. you know, for, to kind of find that and flexibility the other end for other people to understand also that sometimes your best intentions can get waylaid by things outside of your control. Mm, mm. Like, are you a good sleeper? Because I, I, I would struggle to be in a whole heap of different places in a short amount of time. So I'm I'm a pretty good sleeper. Um, when we the, the experiment that we had with the camper van, we you know put our own mattress in there, brought our own pillows. Um, it's about you know at the moment it's light up until about eleven or twelve o'clock at night over here because it's um, you know summertime and we're up pretty north, yeah. and it gets light again about three in the morning. So eye masks are a, a must for when we're sleeping, yeah. um, and then I, I also do bring. I have a little travel pillow that I bring with me. Um, and that's actually really important because it kind of gives some consistency to you know, what is pretty inconsistent beds and pillows and those things. And are you both getting paid um, in Australian dollars for various things like? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're both still you know tax domiciled in Australia, and because I come back you know in, in, regularly, 
that's for the plan at the moment. So still got a company set up in Australia. And do you guys just um, go cashless in Europe? Just use Visa debit Completely cards? Completely cashless. So yeah. I tell you what is amazing. We're now in this era of, you know, digital banks and setting up a UK bank account is as simple as a five-minute process on your phone. Mm. You no longer need to go into a bank and bring your passport and find Even one. Even if you're not a resident. Open. So at the moment for uh, Ben, so he's a um, UK resident, he has oh, a UK yes. bank account. Yes. Um, and I'm getting a UK partner visa, which sure. um, yep. normally I got one two years ago and we couldn't pick it up because of COVID, so he couldn't come to London. So I've got a second one now. It normally takes six weeks to process, um, but because of the situation in Ukraine and processing all the visas, it now takes six months. Um, so I actually haven't got that this time, but I'm, when I mm. head back to Australia in a few months' time, I'm picking it up, and then I can get my UK bank account. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So so will you basically, when you get the UK bank account stuff settled, you'll basically use pounds where possible and local currencies? Yes. So it's all digital. So at the moment we're using WISE, so the old yep. transfer WISE. Yeah. I actually just signed a, up to WISE for business, actually. It, Glenn, it is phenomenal. And this is mm. not just an ad, ad for WISE, but what we are finding is that essentially sets you up with a bank account in all the different um, currencies that you're using. And it does it instantly. And you can use contactless on your phone. There's no transaction fees. Um, it's a wonderful app so far because I remember, you know, traveling back in the day when it was a nightmare to do this. You were, you know, you were constantly changing money and you were constantly getting $7 at every ATM to get money out. Everything is contactless that we've found so far now. Yeah, well, that's cool. Well, um, you'll have to keep us in the loop on your travels. And, hey, if you want to follow Tim, just Tim Duggan on uh, Instagram. Is that the best place? It is, yeah. Tim Duggan on Instagram. Or head to my website, which is timduggan.com.au, and there's all the links there. Also, apologies and condolences uh, with the loss of dad. I um, I did see that on your Instagram when you posted, but also one of our strata things is your dad's company. Oh, wow. So, if you're, yeah. a, if you're a property owner or got anything to do with strata world, uh, Brighton Duggan... Uh, who, you know, do a lot of the Strata stuff, that was Tim's dad. and It was, yeah. He's, he's My dad was the was an entrepreneur and started this mm. company when he was in his late 20s and had four kids under, or three or four kids under five. Yeah. And he started it with his business partner, you know, back when no one had heard of what Strata was. No one lived in apartments. Um, and he said, this thing's going to be big. I think there's a, you know, I'm going to take a risk on this. Um, and him and his business partner built Brighton Duggan now mm. up into one of the leading strata companies in Australia. Um, and my dad, who passed away about three or four months ago, is just will always be my hero, both on a personal level, but also on a business level. Taught me so much about how to run a business. Yeah. And just on that, it, it got your little book here. Don't worry about that. Amazing. I, so... We will transition because it's a great read. And if you, we'll put a link in the show notes, uh, Killer Thinking. I, to be honest, I have not had a chance to read it only because I'm in the middle of writing uh, my next book. And I didn't have a book when you were on the podcast last. Um, (laughs) I I remember we talked about it and you were like, how do I do this whole book thing? And we we kind of chatted about it. So now the fact that you're writing your second book, Len, you're officially a best selling author. 
it's um yeah i i wrote sort your money out it was like 95000 words not including like the tables and all that i did it in 6 weeks <laughs> i just punched it oh my it. god it oh was god. brutal <laughs> and our and our next book which we haven't announced the name of it yet it's more challenging to me um and yeah and why is that do you think that you've you've talked about a lot of the topics that come easier yeah so the sort your money out it was pretty much me i had the exact structure exactly what I wanted to do in my brain and i lived every single chapter for the last 10 15 years like every mm. single client meeting oh explain asset allocation or risk profile draw the same thing like it was just muscle memory like it was but this next book i it's actually being it will be marketed as the prequel to sort your money out and get invested so mm. what you need to do before you start to sort your money out and get invested and mm. you know it's um it's just a bigger undertaking because it's like conceptually i know what i want to do but then it's like, oh, okay, it's not naturally there at front yeah. of mind. So I've got to put the time in to do a bit more research and bring it together. And it actually, you know, Wiley, they've been a great publisher and they kept, keep calling me an author. I'm like, I'm not a bloody author. I'm just some dickhead <laughs> who wrote a book. <laughs> I think when you write two, two books, you're officially an author, Glenn. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't disrespect the publishing world and the professional authors like you. Don't disrespect them by calling Glenn James an author. I'm not an author. I'm just a guy who wrote a book to try and help people. So That's funny. I, th I think the, the, the other thing you realize when you get into your second book is that the first time you do it, everything is new and exciting and it's the first time you're going through this and ed edits will come back to you and you're like, ah, oh, this is awesome. I get to change this and update this. And mm. the second time you realize it's, it's a process. And you, I think, maybe know the size of the mountain you're about to climb. And that is why it might be a little bit more daunting the second time because the first time you're just climbing without looking up. Yeah. And it's funny, like, when I turned in the manuscript, I thought, ah, oh, all the hard work's done. <laughs> and then the copy editor gets their freaking mitts on it and wants questions answered. And Oh, my God. And then that's all done. And guess what? It goes to the freaking proofreader and they send a spreadsheet with... 300 lines with clarification on, did you mean this? Did you mean cross the T's and dot the I's? Yes, I did, because I'm hilarious. Writing's not done in the first edit. The first edit is the start of the journey. That's when you literally just start moving up the hill. And then every time you think you're getting closer to it, um, it's like it just keeps coming back into your inbox about mm. ten times. I, yeah. I find that process is quite um, it's quite fascinating. But I, re I really enjoyed doing it for my second book so much so that I'm now going to be writing a third one as well. Are you doing the third one with Pantera? I am. They're yeah. they're being good to you. They're being great. So yeah. Pantera Press, are my publisher, and they are just a small but mighty publisher who really care about their writers and really give a lot of care and attention to each book that they publish. Mm. Um, mm. And I've loved, I love them. The great bunch of people. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed that process. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, at the end of your book, there's a, an ad. I don't know if you've got any control over it. The success experiment from yes. Lily um, Flex Mummy. From Flex Mummy. Yeah, so, so, so their books, their their books that are published through um, ah, Pantera. Uh, Pantera. So yeah, Flex Mummy cool. is a Pantera author, and Jess Scully, um, who's the deputy Lord Mayor of Sydney, is also in there. 
Um, so no, they, they are, I, I do get control over which ads go in there and I love Flex and want to make sure that her book gets as much promotion as possible. I have been meaning to get her on the podcast, but it's just passing ships in the night with busy people and calendars and all that, but it, it will happen at some point, peeps. So yeah. hang in there. Yeah, you should. But just on, I, that there, I'm like, that's a key, isn't it? A diagram. It is. is. It a keyhole? Yeah. 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 So you're basically... The, the book, How to Turn Good Ideas into Brilliant Ones, and I will get back to the segue that I started about an hour ago, well, not that long, but, you know, 10 minutes ago, um, about your father and the vision and all that stuff. Um, but you've got these six steps with uh, killer thinking. Step one, be your problems therapist. Step two, fit your own mask first. And that's awesome. You know, I've talked about that analogy a lot with, um, you know, I'm big on giving and generosity. And, you know, if you're trying to get out of debt, if you're trying to, you know, pay the energy bill, if you're trying to all that, forget giving your money away. Not your time to give. Get your own household healthy and first. Give a smile. Give a baked dinner to the neighbor. Don't have to give your money away if you're still getting established yourself. So I think that's great. Uh, step three, plus each other's ideas. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Talk just that's a random one. Talk to that step three. Yeah, so this process, this is there's eight steps here on how to take a good idea, which all of us can come up with. Most ideas are good ideas we come up with. Otherwise mm. we wouldn't tell other people about them. Yeah. But what I was really obsessed by is how can you then refine that and massage it into a great idea? And mm. a great idea benefits more people, has more positives than negatives. And then how can you refine that and massage it into it's a really killer idea? And so I'm I'm very much someone who likes to take complicated subjects and make them easy to understand. Yeah. So I end up speaking to dozens of people, reading, you know, hundreds of research papers, trying to figure out, okay, the creative process, how can you almost make it step by step in order to really massage an idea into a killer idea? So be, mm -hmm. be your problems therapist, the first one, really understand your problem. Secondly, it's Fit your own mask first is coming up, spend time by yourself coming up with ideas and trying to think through the problem and the solution yourself before you speak to other people. The third step then is plus each other's ideas. And this mm. idea actually came from Walt Disney who used plusing as a verb. So for him, plusing means how can you take an idea and add something to it, add that 10% on top of it to make it even better. Um, and the best way of doing this is when you come together as a group to come up with ideas creatively, how can you create a space that is psychologically safe for people to come up with ideas? How can you add on top of what other people are doing um, in order to kind of make those ideas better? Um, mm. Now, traditionally in business, the way that you do that is through brainstorming. Um, and one of the things that I am really passionate about is that brainstorms suck and they're the worst possible way of coming up with ideas. Um, and so there's a there's a new model in the book called a celebration model, which is like a celebrate and a um, cerebral kind of coming together. Mm. And uh, that's just a, you can read the book and figure out the um, better way of coming up with ideas together as a group. But plus yeah. each other's ideas is one of those ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I um, I, I may have told you once, I, I did a, a course at Stanford and... Uh, it was a week-long course and one of the days was in the Stanford D School and it was all about, you know, I'm loosely paraphrasing, like 
making stuff up, but being user-led first and all that mm. stuff. Um, and in the middle of the D school at Stanford, there's a big sign and it's like, there's no right, there's no wrong, there's just create. And mm. it's just about well, what ideas can we have and can we pull them all together and see what comes of it. Um, I love that. Step And interestingly enough, one of the um, parts of the book that I'm writing, I think it will make it in there, um, you know, about starting a business. You know, you've got to really, this is, and I like this because this is all like mindset stuff, your book. And your last book was, you know, big on the mindset stuff. Like I've been saying for months now, we need to focus on the strategy and not the tactics. And Mm. a tactic is jumping online and, starting an Instagram page, a tactic is registering an ABN, a tactic is setting a website, a tactic is, you know, ordering some widgets online. That's all fine, but we need to nail our strategy. Like, you know, one of my first steps in starting your own business, does the market actually need it? Mm. Is it the right thing? Are you going into fidget spinners in 2022? Well, I got news for you. Probably don't do that. You know, Mm. Do you want to start Zumba classes at the local primary school of an afternoon? I'm sorry, but it's not 2010 anymore. No one's <laughs> doing Zumba. Like, so it's just that really sitting on the ideas and going, is this actually a thing? Yeah. Because once we've got our strategy, then you plug the tactics in. So I was like, this is the strategy. All right, as part of this strategy, these are the tactics. We're going to set up a website. We're going to do this. We're going to print business cards. This type of business that would benefit from a letterbox drop. So we're going to print, you know, stuff and do a letterbox drop. Or if you've, you know, there was a business, I'm ranting, but go with me. There was a, um, a business in a local area that I lived and she was a lovely girl and it was a clothes shop and she's young and hip and all that stuff and really awesome online presence, awesome uh, thing that she was doing. But she bought a retail premises in, or she rented a retail premises in a shopping arcade that I reckon the average age of people walking through, probably 70 years old, like it just wasn't a fit. And she wondered why the business didn't take off and she couldn't afford the rent and it collapsed. And, but no, well, the strategy is we do this for our audience and this is a target market you'd be better off to use that rent money in a factory bay and focus 100% online, for example. Totally. Yeah, and I, I think just stepping back and, and thinking about something before you jump into it. Yeah. That's what that's what we need to do. Step four, stick with it. Step five, apply the right filter. Step six, stretch it out. Step seven, launch into a rising tide. Oh, that's interesting. And step eight, listen with open ears. But I just want to skip forward. There was something, you know, when I do a a scrub in books and then, so I'll get your book and I'll read like five pages and go, yeah, this is good. You know, it's not just rubbish. You talked, and this is what reminded me of your father and the vision, right? You talk about, it's on page 179, winners and losers, about a good idea, a great idea and a killer idea. Now, some of the examples you've got, you know, a good idea, one party wins, a great idea, a couple of parties win. But a killer idea, lots of parties win. A good idea for your business, it's limited use. So that could be your fidget spinner. Great idea, longer use, you do different colours. 
A killer idea, unlimited use. Can we have fidget spinners unlimited use? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You, you might be able to do it. I don't think it's a killer idea. Uh, doesn't say it's a bad idea. A good idea taps into a movement. A great idea supported by a movement and a killer idea starts a movement. And, you know, with that strata story of your old man saying, look, this is going to be a thing, you know, that was a killer idea. A lot of people probably called him crazy at the start. Mm. Yeah, to- totally. I-, I think sometimes, so I looked at all these kind of killer ideas and tried to figure out what they have in common. Um, and killer actually is an acronym that say I love acronyms. Um, and killer stands for kind, impactful, loved, lasting, easy, and repeatable. And That's awesome. If if you think through the best ideas in the world, so now let's look at some of those best ideas in the world. And, and so you know what my dad did in, in starting um, his business and figuring out um, how he can help as many people as possible. When you look back at that, you know in retrospect, you realise that it does tick a lot of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, as do, you know, a bunch of the people I spoke to in the books. So I spoke to people like um, Abigail Forsyth, who started Keep Cup, um, yep. the whole Keep Cup kind of movement, which I think is a really killer idea. Um, Canva is a really killer idea. It's kind of like it has a lot of um, amazing benefits and is certainly easy and repeatable for people. Even things like Movember. So it's not necessarily business, it's a, it's a movement, but that is a real example of a great killer idea. That mm. is kind, impactful, loved, lasting, easy, and repeatable. Yeah, that's awesome. I reckon. Do you have an audio book of this one? I do. Yes, I, I narrate it myself. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna actually just do that. Then I don't have to read it because it's just easier. <laughs> We're about to. I'm always in the car. Um, do you know? I read my audio book, and that was actually the hardest thing I've ever done on this planet. Without a shadow of a lie. Is that because you had to stick to every word as you had written it and couldn't go off? Yeah, it was funny. Like, um, towards the start, um, I was just seeing a paragraph there and I was like, yeah, I'm just paraphrasing it. And then the the powers that be were getting a bit pissed off with me. And I'm like, if it wasn't for me being here, you wouldn't have a job to edit it. So, (laughs) piss off. Let me bloody do my own thing. But also, I can't read. So, that helps. Um, it was a crash course in reading, that's for sure. Um, it was just it's tough. Quite, yeah, it's, it's quite, and I've, I've recorded the audiobook for both of my books now. Mm. Um, and I love and hate the process it, passionately. Yeah. As yeah. in, I, I, I love doing it, I love the output of it, but you have to sit there and with something that you've you know, written two years ago, you have to read exactly every word for word. And if you get one word wrong, Someone sitting in the other room says, stop, hold up, hold up a second, go back there and re-record that in order to say that word correctly. And you might, I, I, there's many times I was reading, I was like, who the hell wrote this? What does that oh, sentence yeah. trying, to, trying to be? Um, but, you know, it's, it's no one to blame but yourself. All right, here, it, oh, wave sound. Did you do it with um, at North Sydney? I did, yes. Yeah, in, that's, um, I did mine there. Um, um, did you go upstairs with old audio, 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 Brian. Yeah, yeah, audio Brian. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I, I did the first book upstairs and did the second book downstairs. Yeah. Um, the, fir- the first book I sat in, Malcolm Turnbull had just finished recording his audio book in the same seat. In, in the That's same the seat. exact room that I did mine in. With the red and, painting behind you. Yeah, yeah. And who was the guy? Oh, I oh, forget his name. Um, the second book, I, I had a different person for the second book. Um, oh. uh, I would remember 
I can't remember either, but it, the same guy who has that uh, thing upstairs. Yeah, he's yeah. cool. So, so, yeah, so we're both saying. Old rocker. And you, get, and you spend hours in that chair whilst outside it's sunny and you're in this kind of like dark room. But hopefully the app, the output is, is good. Like I, I love listening to audiobooks. Well, I'm just buying. Podcasts. Here it is there. I'm going to buy uh, it. $15.99. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate you supporting it. No, well, hang on. But yeah, everyone, oh, why isn't Face ID? There we go. Done. Um, yes, yeah, so I did, did it through Wavesound, who are, who, are, who are a great company. They've, they've done both my audiobooks. Yeah. So, because mine was just... So, basically, the good thing about Wiley, like, we contracted for, like, 60,000 words, and at 70,000 words, I was like, I ain't finished yet. And <laughs> they said, I'll oh, just keep going. We'll make it a bigger book, whatever. So... Yeah, the end product of Sort Your Money Out, it's nine and a half hours. Mm. And it's just like, it was painful. Like, oh gosh, I'm just having, I had anxiety the night before recording that. Did you? Oh, yeah. Just the biggest fear. The, everyone's like, oh, yeah, read your audio. No, it was actually the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. The hardest thing I've ever done. Well, Not well. doing the next one. Sorry. Don't care enough. I- I think also when you are, yeah, as both of our books have a lot of diagrams in there and you have to yeah. explain the diagrams <clears throat> to someone who doesn't have it in front of them. Um, yeah. And that was essentially like I had to rewrite, you know, it was about 5% of my book. It's not, not loads. But you have to think through how am I going to describe a keyhole image or how do I describe a circle pie chart here where 32% says this and 68% says this. I just cheated. I said, everyone go to this website forward slash whatever and download the pack for audio book people only. (laughs) 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 And you can print 12 pages of all the diagrams. I'm like, I'm just like, I can't explain a complex diagram. Like, so yeah, it was, um, it was a process. But it also makes you realize, sorry, the, the final thing on that is that I have a, the utmost respect for voice actors oh. um, because they are gems and they're probably underappreciated. Um, um, so if you are a voice actor or voiceover artist listening to this, I appreciate yeah. you. Oh, could not agree more. I'm just, look, it's really annoying me. I'm finding this guy's name. Um. The sound engineer. It was Jono or um, it was David, Dave, yeah, Dave Holmes, Rocket Music. So, um, so I recorded my first one a couple of years ago. Actually, I don't remember that. My second one, though, recorded for Killer Thinking. His name was Buzz. Yes, and Buzz was yep. Buzz was great downstairs. Yeah. Um, so I had so, um, Dave up upstairs. That um, sounds that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, and he was great. Like really help take the anxiety nothing like i just see half the problem was i felt so bad that i kept stuffing up but he was totally fine and i think i think everyone does that's mm-hmm. a you know and, and if i if i read a paragraph without a mistake i would like high five myself and mm-hmm. and that's the thing when people listen back to an audiobook you don't realize the amount of edits and the amount mm-hmm. of words and the amount of ears that listen to it to make it great um, yeah, but, uh, but the end product though is Glenn. It's you reading your own book, and that is mm. a huge um, achievement. Yeah, but anyway, I reckon everyone 
grabbed the book Killer Thinking. It was re- it was probably released bloody a while ago. I just haven't had a chance to get you on. Um, yeah, the start of 2022, you guys pumped this out. Uh, Killer Thinking, no, it only came out, um, God, I don't remember the, the date. It was May in May of this oh. year. So it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, did it's, I? It's, it's brand new. I must have got this earlier than the release date then. You might have got we, – we, so we, we publish a, um, an early review copy about three or four months before then. So at yeah. the start of 2022, we would have put out an early one, but it came out on 4th of May. So it's, 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 it's brand new, fresh off the, hot off the presses. Oh, oh, I don't – yeah. So we're recording this at the end of June, so we'll get this up, you know, in the next month or so. Um, not before I talk to the team about four-day work week. <laughs> tell them not to listen to this podcast until they until you had an all staff meeting. Oh, totally. I'm I'm going to tell Rage. I'm just like, don't get put that on Nathan's desk. Don't you listen to it? There's <laughs> sensitive stuff that I need to talk to you guys about this first. And <laughs> you know, that as soon as you say that, they'll go in and listen to it oh, straight yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. So hi, Rage. So, hi, Nathan. Yeah. Hey, guys. So, all right, everyone, buy the book Killer Thinking. Just do it. Um, or I'll fight ya. And then if you haven't bought my book, buy them both at the same time because you'll save on postage. And so what do I do with this four-day work week crap? All right, the end, episode's um, ended, everyone. Stop listening. I'm talking with Tim now. Um, so I think the first- Thanks for coming thing- on as well, officially. I mean- Oh, cheers. Thank you. Are we officially, are we finished? Yeah, but we'll just keep recording. Who cares? Yeah, great. I'm I'm always happy to keep chatting. I just don't Um, want to keep people hanging around if they don't want to. Yeah, great. So, I think the first thing is to chat to your staff. Um, Yep. And I think chat to them, as you said, around strategy rather than tactics because a four-day work week is a a tactic. Mm. Um, So, I think just chat to them around what you want to get out. And and so, trust, productivity, flexibility, um, make sure that they all agree with that. And then mm. start thinking about, so rather than I think going to them and saying, hi, everyone, we're moving to a four-day work week, say, I want this to be a place where you really want to come to work and you love working and you don't go to leave to go somewhere else because this fits in with your lifestyle and you work really hard mm. because you love it. Things that we could do to look into that are things like four-day work weeks. Um, there's things like unlimited leave is a new kind of trend that kind of like is, is you know, starting to, to take Yeah, calm down, mate, calm down. <laughs> The unlimited leave is, is like a trust kind of thing um, that, um, you know, Netflix really pioneered that. And I've seen a bunch of companies kind of doing that at the moment. But just on that, like, and this is what I was saying earlier, the industrial instrument with like long service leave and all that stuff, the one, it's just hard because like if you've got an unlimited leave policy, right, for example, and then someone's been working for 10 years and the industrial award or the industrial instrument says you get long service leave, or like, well, you've had eight weeks of leave for the last 10 years anyway, so like by law you have to have long service and I have to pay. Like, And I'm not being the stooge, I'm just being, you know, there is an industrial instrument that everyone falls under. There so is. how do we reconcile that? And I guess it's like anything. You only pull out the, uh, you know, the prenup. You only pull out the buy-sell business agreement and all that if it goes south. Mm. But, and that's that's just what, and, you know, I'll be thinking, well, I hope I don't hire some jerk 
who wants to take advantage of me and wants to sue me because they're getting treated unfairly. By the way, you know, you've had eight weeks of annual leave for the last 10 years. So, was it that unfair? So, that was that's just where my brain goes. Yeah, totally. And I, I think you know, things like unlimited leave, uh, that's a very new concept. I haven't seen enough mm. research on yet to figure out if it's a good thing or not. But I think it comes down to if someone has been working with you for 10 years, mm. you should have a good enough relationship with them for them to not take the piss and for you to um, be able to communicate with them around what their needs are and, and hopefully they can, how they can hang around for another 10 years. Mm. Um, so I think obviously the, you know, those um, industrial actions and things like that are, are very important because traditionally we have had some employers being shit and terrible and not have a good relationship with their employees yet people still hang around for 10 years to get to, mm. you know, their, their three months off or whatever, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, maybe and I'm, maybe I'm thinking about it as like all... So, I, as an example, right, the award rates, so my staff, they're employed under the uh, miscellaneous award because there's actually no award that a podcast audio editor fits in like because it's different than the radio broadcast awards. So, the whole team is under the miscellaneous award. And there's award rates that are like, you know, level one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Even, even like my other business, this business, the most junior employee that's been a level two or a level three, I'll always pay above the award because the award is the minimum protections for individual rights. So maybe I'm thinking of it too kind of negative, but in actual fact, the industrial instruments are the just they're the ultimate backstop protection, right? To stop mm. people getting taken advantage of. Yeah, and and they need to exist, and they and they should exist. But oh, absolutely. But it's just kind of yeah, reconciling how it all works. Because for me, it is I don't want to be accidentally breaking the law. So, for example, someone's worked for for me and with me, or whatever, for ten years. They've had unlimited. They've had eight weeks off, and I know. It's not really a thing because there's enough research, but the last 10 years, they've had eight weeks off or nine weeks off a year, unlimited leave. I don't want to trip over and something goes south and go, well, technically, you didn't pay them long service leave. So, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And you hope it never gets to that. Yeah. You hope that it doesn't because you hope that you can have a good enough relationship with the employees that- um, that you can talk about these things and, and, you know, all of us are human and, and sometimes these um, mistakes can be made without realising it. But I think mm. if you have a good relationship with people, you can talk through and, and figure out how to resolve it. So, yeah, I think the next step, though, is for you to chat to your staff, um, yep. make sure that they feel comfortable with this as an idea. And if they're up for an experiment, you should figure out how long you want to do the experiment for. Yep. Um, I'll <clears> recommend <throat> two to six months. Um, so you figure out, do you want to do it for three months? Do you want to do it for two months? Do you want to do it yep. for six months? And then um, I'll come in and um, show you, have a quick chat with some of the research areas that I want to look at. Um, so kind of things like productivity, things like happiness, things like um, satisfaction. Um, there's a bunch of areas that I've looked at that I think are really important to, to, um, to do. Would you do that with just me or with the team? With the team. Yeah, cool. With the, with, the, with the team, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we do a survey on how they're feeling now. Yeah. Then we'll do a monthly check-in 
because it's interesting to kind of look at it as a flow. So if you do it for three months, we'll do three of those. And then one at the end, and then we look at the results. What um, What is your time horizon for needing to have some of your research put to bed? Yeah, so this book's not going to come out till 2024. Yeah, um, cool. so, so I've got all of next, I've got the next 12 months or so to kind of write this oh, book cool. and, and think about it. So there's no urgent yeah. time. Because what I'm it. kind of thinking, we're about to, at the time of recording, about to jump on a plane and, you know, do a show in every capital city. So there's going to be like, you know, I don't like to do back-to-back shows. I like to do them on a Friday night where possible and come home for a week and then go. But And then in September, I'm taking the team up to FinCon as a bit of a treat. So oh, awesome. uh, we're going to the America to Florida for, to the conference FinCon and I'm speaking nice. at that as well. And it's funny okay. on that because like for me, like JP's in a bit of a sales role. So she talks with the brands um, and, you know, the harder she works, technically the more that she can, you know, get from her role. But like Rach and Nathan, they've got no control over ad revenue. They've got no control over listeners. They've got no control if I want to do one episode a week or three. So I really wanted to, for those positions, go, well, you're actually a very valuable part of the team because, you know, without Nathan, without Rachel, the show doesn't get done. But Mm. within all that, I do want to, thank you and um, do some, you know, development stuff. So, let's all go up and go to a conference in the States. It's a bit of a treat, it's a bit of a reward. Um, yeah. And I've told them like, look, this is going to cost at least $7,000 per person for us to do this. So, if you are serious and, and all that stuff, well, let's do it and let's have fun. And let's, you know, then after FinCon in Florida, we're flying up to Nashville for two nights because I love Nashville. I just love the barbecue and the coffee scene and it's just a great... Have you been to Nashville? I've never been, but God, I'd love to go. Yeah. I'd love to go to Nashville, yeah. Um, I'm not particularly too keen to go back to America at the moment, given all the crap that's going on, but... (laughs) Anyway, we won't won't, won't go go there right now. That's another Um, another podcast. That's another one. But um, because it's all well and good to go spend a week and, you know, all this money at a conference, well, let's fresh while we're finished let's regroup as a team and see what things we can implement straight away yeah and i I think that's the best time when everyone's kind of been taken a bit out of their own environment so if Mm. you do it you know anyone you don't need to do it you're doing it by going over to nashville which is amazing but you can also Mm. do it by just taking an afternoon off and going to the local cafe or the private room in a somewhere and kind of getting your staff together or just going to someone's house I think that's the time when you get taken out of your everyday life and you can just have like half a second to think bigger and think, okay, when we go back into it, how can we make this better? So I reckon that would be a good time to kind of like when you come back from that, Mm. implement some kind of change and maybe it's towards the end of the year. So maybe it's like October, November, December. And that's what I was, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So I might talk to the team, you know, in the coming couple of weeks just so if they do need to get, this episode edited up, it's not thing, but I might have a chat to them and conceptually say, look, let's push the envelope of what work looks like. Let's do it. Um, and then we maybe go, well, let's do a trial October, November, December. And yeah. Tim will come in at, you know, the start of October. He might, you know, ask some questions, get you to fill out surveys or whatnot. Um, and then he'll do a monthly yeah. check-in. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm going into this with complete open eyes. I don't know what the, the result's going to be. And, and neither do I. Like, I'm all I know is I just want to keep pushing the envelope because, you know, there is just no norms. There's societal norms which are there. And sure, there are, you know, hospitals that need staff 24-7 and all that. But to be honest, there are rosters. So, there's no reason why this can't be done at a, a bigger scale. And, you know, it does take the smaller agile teams to actually try this stuff for other organizations to look at and go, oh, well, it wasn't all that bad. And Completely. I, th- I think I think momentum behind it. Like, we're, we're the... We've, we've got a once-in-a-generation chance right now to reset how we weave work into our lives. Yep. And it is going to be companies like yours that start doing it, then start talking about it, and then someone listens to this and someone's like, oh, maybe we should try that. And before you know it, Westpac will come out one day and we'll say, we're doing this here. And then as soon as the big companies start doing it, imagine then the, the flexibility that our society can have, the extra income kind of coming through in different areas because people are kind of probably spending money in different ways as well. And mm. like, it's one of the biggest social experiments I think that we've ever had. Yeah. And I think I want to develop teams. So like our current vision and purpose statement and all that stuff, you know, that's a living document. And every week we go over that and talk about what worked for the week and what didn't and how it did or didn't align with our six values. But with this culture, if we do go to this four day work week, if there is a new team member, the culture will be that strong that it will become apparent if there isn't a team member carrying their own weight. Very much so. I think I think the level will find itself. Exactly. And have you heard the old saying, and we probably should finish with this, um, you probably want to go and have breakfast, but um, have you heard the old saying, I think it was in, and don't hold this against me, but I, I read a, um, I think a Jordan Peterson book, 12 Rules for Life, um, which he should have stopped everything after that book. Like, just shut up. <laughs> just <laughs> got twelve more rules for life, and yeah, I was his, like, no. His... Every time he talks, it's like, what are you actually saying? Just words are coming yeah. out. I don't know what you're saying. Um, like J.K. J.K. Rowling, just just write and then shut up. Yeah, please. like it was just this whole like, no, your book was okay. It had some po- anyway. Um, I think it was his book. And there was that analogy of this: some guy goes to hell and there's three uh, melting pots and there's some security guards around the melting pots. And this guy is showing him the tour of hell or whatever. And it's like, oh, this first melting pot. I was like, oh, that's all the Australians there. And then these like um, devils keeping people in not because they want to claw out of the clawing pot, right? And then the next one, oh, that's the Brits. And, um, you know, there's security guards around, like, making sure people don't go out of the melting pot. And then the third one, oh, that's the, um, like, the Russian one or something like that. And there's no security guards. Like, oh, why not? He goes, well, if people want to claw out, they'll get pulled back in by everyone else in there. So, it was like this analogy that I want to create with the business that it's flipped. So, if there is bad culture, the whole team will self moderate the culture much with our online group with my millennial money like uh we were very very strict particularly in the early days of what what gets removed with posting and you know if people see something just self-report we just need that culture so it is self moderating and moving and that's kind of what i want with the team as well 
I love that. I love that. I think the best, not necessarily that analogy or the, the clawing people back down, but I think the the and the idea that the best cultures are self sustaining and they have their own power and everyone understands it. So if you come to work for Simo, you know why you're there, you know how they work, and you either love that and you thrive in it or you don't. And that's okay. Yep. If you don't, it doesn't mean you're a bad employee. doesn't mean you're a bad worker. just yep. means that right now for you, that's not the right environment. And if you can be really clear on that, the company just will form its own culture that will then start attracting people who want to work there and hopefully showing other people also how it can be done. Yeah, because one of our values is here by choice, own it. And mm. when we did this session with Shell and, you know, it was a full day session just to come up with these six values, right? It was a really amazing thing. And that's, a, you know, there's an episode up where I did interview Shell about that, you know, because those values will lead over to our other podcast hosts as well. I It was good enough for me, you know, we're all come there as equals. It's offsite. Glenn's not running it. I'm just another guy in the team. I basically said, look, as a leader of the team, like, honestly, if you don't like your job, I will help you get another job. If you don't like working here, I'll help you have a better and more fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. AKA, if you don't like it, piss off because you're only not, you know, it's not doing yourself. Like, why would you want to rock up? And granted, there are people listening to this, Tim, that hate their job at the moment, hate going to work. Okay. If that's a sustained thing and it's not just a project you're working on, no, it can't happen overnight, but we need some serious plans in your life to move the needle to get your plan to get out of there because I don't want you there for 10 years hating your job, hating going to work. Mondays don't suck. You suck. Like, Mondays don't have a vibe. Like, your life yeah. sucks. Monday doesn't. Like, And that sounds very harsh and I'm being a little bit dramatic, but- if you're not happy with what you're doing because you spend so much time at work, let's put a plan in place so in five years' time, we're not in the same situation. 12 months' time, we're not in the same situation. Insert your thing here, but let's just not stay unhappy and miserable because it's going to eat you and it's going to suck for the rest of your team. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I think one of the biggest things that I have learnt and that I, when I love chatting to people as well, is how you are in control of your own destiny to to a, you know to an extent of course not not everyone has complete control but if you you might not love the work that you do but you might love the people that you do it with or you might not or vice versa you might love you know what you're doing but you hate people you work with you've just got to find that balance right around there's always other options there's always someone else you can go work for or something else you can do or move to a different department in the same company but if you're not taking control of that and kind of figuring out how you can be happier at work, no one else is going to do it for you. Mm. Um, as soon as as soon as you realize that, that's probably one of the biggest like light bulb moments in life. Yeah. And that's what I like. I don't want everyone, you know, for the old dogs out there like me and Tim probably, I don't think we need to do the Jerry Maguire moment, um, you know. But let's put some type of plan together. So medium to long term. You can get fulfillment out of your life, your day, your career. So we're not, you know, walking in the office, the boss's door tomorrow, kicking the door in and saying, I'm out of here, dickhead. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't have a job now and I need money. But what's something that we can implement in our lives? 
to um to make that move. And even like so stuff like your book here that I hold up a- again, it might be more suited to an entrepreneur. It might be more suited to a small business owner. But if you're an employee, this book will be helpful because it'll help you think outside your normal square and it might go, oh, hang on, I could do a similar role in a different industry. Very much so, yeah. It's actually for – cult status was kind of for entrepreneurs and this yep. book is for anyone, anyone who has a yeah. brain, anyone who thinks of mm. ideas. You can be an employee, you can think about it also, not even in a work sense. If you've got yeah. a problem with your relationship, a problem at home that you're trying to think through, creative thinking and spending time to think about it, that can solve most things. Yeah, yeah, love it. I should let you go uh, because I've well and truly outstated my welcome. And the episode ended like 20 minutes ago anyway. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Everyone, buy the bookie dogs and uh, it's going to be good. But it's just a pleasure to chat with you. Give Tim a follow, Tim Duggan on Instagram. And yeah, anytime you want to, we might get you back if we do this experiment. We'll get you back maybe in January, February, and we can unpack you know, what we went through with the team. And we might even do some audio interviews with the team just to, as a a living case study as a an inspiration for other businesses, right? Yeah, take let's take everyone on this journey with us. Yeah, and that's um that's what I'm all about. So, all right, I'll hit stop now. So, thanks everyone for listening, and thanks Tim. Thanks, Glenn. Loved it. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.